0: mafia what is up everybody thank you so much for your patience shout a buffalo bills football podcast it's back in your life forced straight day and today was a special day yesterday we were in the same room now we're in different rooms but we were in the same high mark stadium today to watch practice i'm matt perino ryan talbot what is up man you're, you're making it work on the Listen, you've done a couple of shows with me before in the hotel rooms, and sometimes it gets a little bit uh, hectic with the technology.
1: Yeah, so, you know, heads up, Bill's Mafia, doing my best here uh, in a hotel room my two kids on daddy duty. Uh, it's my wife's birthday. She's out with her best friend. So making the most of it, you know how internet is in a hotel room. So we're, we're going live from my phone. Uh, appreciate the support. Great day at Highmark Stadium.
0: Dad of the year, Ryan Talbot, got the kids in the room getting after his show while the wife gets to go out party on her birthday. My man, you are you are the man. It was so good to uh, spend some time with you. I know a lot of people had fun with us having the uh, the two man one man booth here uh, yeah. yesterday. Uh, we're brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store with more. Smash that like button. Let's get this video out to as many people as we can. Tops Fresh Burger Bar with over thirty varieties of beef turkey, chicken, plant-based, and gourmet blend burgers, ready to grill, top fresh burger bar, has you smiling all summer long. And usually, Ryan, we'll start with my observations, but we were both there today, so I would like you to start off. What was your big takeaway, your big observation from today's practice? I love
1: it. I'm going to go, my big observation being Jake Kummerow making the most of his uh, opportunities here with the Bills. Now, You know, it was earlier this week that, Aaron Rodgers once again mentioned Kumaro by name, being upset by the fact that the Packers released him last year, saying, I just wish someone from the front office had come to me and said, hey, listen, here's what we're thinking of doing so I could have talked them out of it. And he went on to add that he thought that Kumaro was their second best wide receiver last year during the summer. You know, Kumaro is not the second best wide receiver in Buffalo. It's just such a stacked wide receiver room. But he is making a legitimate case for wide receiver number six. He plays special teams. He catches everything in sight. And, and he was getting targeted a lot today, Matt. And, you know, he was sure hands. There was a pass that was behind him that he bobbled and hauled in for what I think would have been a touchdown. So, uh, really nice day for Mr. Kumaro.
0: Yeah, J- Jay Kumaro, a guy that's getting, it, like you mentioned, an opportunity with Stephon Diggs out of the lineup. It was interesting It kind of seemed like uh, Emmanuel Sanders, who was basically the number one wide receiver out there uh, to start practice. I don't know what happened. He wasn't on the injury report. But as practice went along, Emmanuel Sanders was off on the sideline without a helmet on. So I'm not sure there. Uh, Seen in the comments a couple people here over on Facebook. Bill's backers uh, from Mexico is in the house. Welcome to the show. Harold Fuller over on YouTube. I got the fist bump from Matt today out at the stadium. I remember that. Uh, I, I appreciate you guys, uh, you know, all you guys for uh, supporting us, watching the show. It's been great. But Kumaro is a guy I wrote about um, yesterday and today. We were, It's a guy that's, you know, forcing his hand. And we talked to Dane Jackson after practice today. And, you know, Dane Jackson uh, on, on that second team has been getting a lot of looks at, at Jake Kumaro throughout practice. Uh, Dane Jackson was on the second team today. We're not allowed to talk about other games, other days, but today we were, all, we were allowed to talk a about a little bit more. And, um, so because he's gotten some looks at Jake Kumro, he was able to kind of dive into him a little bit. And he said, it's kind of, it sneaks up on you because he's such a big guy. You don't expect the speed and quickness. And sometimes he says for a corner that's working on playing off coverage. We talked about that a little bit yesterday, a guy like Kumaro, you get up on the, you get up in your thing. And if you're, if you, if you fall asleep at all, he's going to blow by you. He's got really good get off off the line of scrimmage. He's a complete package. It's easy to understand why Aaron Rodgers liked him so much because out there today, Josh Allen was slinging the ball around to him. And as we get into, you know, pads, we're not on today. That's an important part to remember. As we start to look, to you know, what these competitions are going to be like when the pads come on. I think Isaiah Hodgins, a guy that really shine in the spring, has a battle on his hands because this is a guy in Kumaro who excelled on special teams last year. I remember Heath well, I think, on one occasion, mentioning Jake Kumaro uh, as a guy that he liked. And then he went out there and made a big play. One target on the season, one reception, 22-yard touchdown against the Denver Broncos. This is a guy that makes plays. I mean, you don't you don't get nicknamed Touchdown Jesus for nothing.
1: I agree completely, and I, I've had some people saying, "Well, he doesn't really make sense for wide receiver number six because he's 29 years old. You have Isaiah Hodgins, you you have some other younger guys, uh, Mark Marquez Stevenson. Why not go with them? Well, listen, I, I get that viewpoint, but there's a good chance you could sneak one, if not both, of those players on your practice squad. There really isn't any tape on Isaiah Hodgins because of last year's injury. Uh, Stevenson, they can limit his reps in the preseason in terms of snaps that are out there. Kumaro is a player that the Bills wanted to sneak onto their practice squad late in the season last year when they uh, were activating John Brown, and he was ended up getting claimed by the Saints. He goes to the Saints. As soon as they dropped him, they brought him back to the fold as soon as possible. So he is someone that is valued by this coaching staff, this regime. I, I just don't think that they're willing to part with him to take a chance on a young kid if they think that that, that young kid in the case of Hodgins uh, or Stevenson has a ways to go in terms of their development.
0: We're going to get into the fan environment because it was such a fun deal. I mean, there was 15,000 in there to, to, to today, and you think about last year, the playoffs. We'll, we'll, let's talk about the fans now, and then we'll get to some of the other topics in a minute. Um, 6,700 in but, you had those two games up together and you're, you're looking at a little bit over 1300 last year for two games combined. So it felt like, you know, a game day environment. Listen, it was still wasn't 70,000, but it kind of felt like back to normal, just seeing all the fans walking around the outside of uh, that. We were even as covering practice, we're allowed to walk around the entire stadium, which we're not even able to do at the practice facility. We're only kind of uh, able to, you know, uh, walk around the back, end line and uh the the sideline there and yeah uh harold makes a a comment in here that the wave was nice and and they had a pretty serious wave i think you did you get a video of it and posted on social media
1: i don't know if i did with the wave i I had a few crowd chats but i did comment on twitter that the wave that's in mid-season form so bill's mafia despite not being there last year you brought your a game with the wave today very impressive
0: and dane jackson also mentioned how cool it was first of all put practicing in front of 15,000 people i think people were like this is practice like how are there this many people out here but you know dane had a a cool moment that he shared he's walking down the tunnel and he, he put his he was getting ready for practice he's in the middle of a, a a cb2 competition he put his helmet on and he was walking down the tunnel and he was thinking all right i'm going to go to practice nobody knows who i am it's going to be all good and as soon as he appeared all he heard was yeah dane dane what's up dane he was like he was so taken aback by that that Fans knew who he was, and it's like I think those are the kind of moments where players really get introduced to Bills Mafia and something that I don't think that a lot of players, new players, got to experience last year. And even Stephon Diggs, who didn't practice today, you saw at one point uh, put a mask on and went over and signed somebody's sign. There wasn't supposed to be autographs, but a a guy had a a sign with a little kid uh, shouting out Stephon Diggs, and he made a point to go over there and sign it. That had to be so exciting for him, a guy that really hasn't experienced the real experience of Bills mopping the stadium yet.
1: Yeah, so the stadium itself, obviously nothing last year. The the Bills at the airport, I I think some fans uh, or some players I should say know all about that, but you're right. The rookies, uh, the second-year players, the players that came over via trade or free agency last year and this year, this was their first glimpse, their first experience. I think Emmanuel Sanders put something along the lines of today was dope on his Instagram about having the, the fans in the stands and, and being impressed. Uh, so the fans for being 15,000 only in the, in that 70,000 uh, capacity stadium, they were very loud and they were very excited to be there. Uh, the chance of MVP with Josh Allen coming out, just all the players uh, having their names yelled when, when they were coming in and out of the tunnel before and after practice today. So great, great environment. So, Uh, Awesome job
0: showing up today, Bills Mafia. (laughs) So let's get into a couple of our other big takeaways, because the cool thing about today's practice, I was hoping that the pads were going to be on, that we can really start to dive into some of the exchanges, the one-on-one battles during 11-on-11 that I think are a little bit more meaningful with pads. But that didn't happen. But the cool thing is the reporting guidelines got relaxed a little bit and we're able to talk a little bit more about what we saw in terms of rotation. And I think, you know, some of the, the important ones to realize is, you know, with Jerry Hughes out of the mix, Gregory Rousseau starting at a uh, left end and in for Jerry Hughes, where you expect him to play as AJ Epinesa. So we were having this conversation on social media today. Uh, I got uh, I thrown into a, uh, a thread over there with Greg Thompson, who does a great job over at cover one. I do. I, I really do think that Gregory Rousseau is on track to put up a really good fight for that starting job opposite Jerry Hughes. I think once we get to the end of this line, if Jerry Hughes is healthy, he's going to be one of the defensive ends on the field when they st- when they roll the ball out for the first for the opener. But I think Gregory Rousseau with all the things that he brings to the table, I really think that he's setting himself up and you know, he still got to perform in the preseason games, but I think they like what they've seen and the fact that we're into the fourth day And he's still getting, and he's getting first team reps on the fourth day. That says a lot about uh, what what I think he's done to this point and the respect that he's earned from this coaching staff.
1: Yeah, we've seen the pass rush moves. We've heard all about them. And and Bill's Mafia, I am not lying when I tell you. It's it's a good thing the defensive players know to let up when there's uh, would-be sacks because he had a free shot on Mitch Trubisky where he could have sent Trubisky back to Chicago. That's how clean of a hit he would have had on the guy. Uh, I think he was going one-on-one with, not one-on-one, but I think he was going across from Bobby Hart on the play and he just beat Hart out of the gate. And like I said, he, he literally had to stop himself for about two steps away from Trubisky before Trubisky ended up getting rid of the ball. But uh, would have been one of those shots where everyone would have made some noise in the stadium anticipating what would have been happening had they been able to hit, had they been in pads, things like that. So another really promising day for Rousseau and another promising day for another defensive end and defensive lineman that we've talked about, Matt. I was really impressed with F.A. Obata today.
0: Yeah, he continues to showcase why he had so much success in Carolina last year. Leslie Frazier, one of the things he brought up was – um He's got to do a good job of staying healthy and staying on the field. I mean, availability is key for this group. But I think that Effio Bada offers so much flexibility. I I was really impressed at times today with his work on the edge because you know I think one of the things that I've been so impressed about, in, and Leslie has talked about as well, is what he brings on the inside. He's got such power, and it's something that he wants to use, obviously. But he's got some real athleticism on the outside, and you can. If you're smart and the more experience you gain, you can use that power on the outside. We've seen Gregory Rousseau, who I think is still developing into his body, which is a scary thing. And again, there's no pads yet, so I want to really see. I'm whole you know, I don't want to go too far here on the Rousseau hype train because you got to keep this thing in contest. I I think he's been great to this point, and this is all we have to talk about. But it's it's not football until the pads are on, and it's really not football until they're in the game. So can he do it consistently in the game against an opponent? Um, that's going to be something that's going to be very important. And I think that that will determine things. I know, uh, but obada has been great. I know people are asking also about Carlos Boogie Basham. Uh, He was predominantly on the second team today. And I got to be honest with you, he was just fine. I I noticed him a few times. That's a good battles. Uh, Again, a guy like Basham, who I'm not so sure where his repertoire is in terms of his uh, pass rush moves. Uh, we'll get a chance to see that more as the games come along. But what I've really un- like, learned about Rousseau right off the jump is that, one, I think he has a really nice inside move. And I think that if you go back to his college tape, you'll see that. That's why he was able to have so much success rushing from the inside because he gets he's able to get around or or use his quickness to beat inside. Uh, guards especially, and if he's able to use that at this level against tackles as well, if his body's transitioning, if his experience is coming along, that's one move. He's got a really nice inside move because of how quick his feet are, but also the chop, man. I wrote about it yesterday. Mm-hmm. This dude, watch him when we put out those videos before uh, practice when they're they're running through you know the chop drill with Eric Washington. Check out Gregory Rousseau because this dude, I mean, and he's not even there yet physically. I mean, that's the, the exciting part.
1: Yeah, that that's all to be exciting. And even just the the long arms, I think that can help him with the pass rush moves in terms of creating some initial separation using his arms and then being able to use that inside move or uh, being able to bring his arm down on that chop. I, we've talked about that. We think that maybe the length of his arms and, and the sheer force of it coming down uh, is what made Darrell Williams a few days ago pretty much face plant at practice when, when he was trying to cover Greg Russo. So a lot of optimism there. Uh, FA Obada, it seems like uh, continuing his relationship with Coach E, as he calls Eric Washington. I think that was good for him in his career, coming off of a career year. He's looked like the real deal. But you, you hit the nail on the head. We have to kind of wait and see what these players look like when the pads come on, because that can affect their uh, pass rush moves. It can affect a lot of different things in terms of what we've seen now to what happens once everyone's in those pads. So. We'll we'll kind of wait on that, but promising signs from one young defensive end and one free agent signing, that could end up playing a bigger role than we anticipated. Mm -hmm.
0: If you're watching on YouTube, thank you. Hit that like button. Make sure that you subscribe to Buffalo Bills on NYUP. This is the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you by Toss Friendly Markets. Spend more time enjoying everything that summer has to offer and less time worrying about getting to the store with Tops pickup and delivery. Shop for your groceries online. Choose pickup or delivery. Tops will bring you the groceries right to you. Visit TopsMarkets.com to get started. I saw somebody on here asking for the line alignment, and I, I, I we can talk about that today. And that's one of the cool things about what you know what the Bills uh, allowed for today. And so, left hot tackle was Bobby Hart, uh, the veteran. Uh, left guard uh, was John Feliciano. Center, Mitch Morse right guard Cody Ford um, and right tackle Daryl Williams and if you ask me Ryan that to me is the ideal configuration if you're projecting out to the regular season uh, obviously Deion Dawkins in at left tackle not Bobby, <laughs> not Bobby Hart but in terms of the other four and where the competitions are really happening with that other guard spot you probably figure Feliciano is at least one of those guards I think that you know, I know that Cody Ford had some momentum at left guard last year, but I'd like to see him a little bit more with a with a nice string of games at right guard playing against a guy in Daryl Williams who I think was play, playing at such a high level last year. I think that could be good for Cody Ford and I think either side at the end of the day is fine, but I think that that 5 is probably where I'm projecting to 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 land in September. Yeah, I'm agreeing with that completely. Obviously, Dawkins at left
1: tackle. Uh, I'm not even sure that Bobby Hart will be the swing tackle for this team come September. I I know he's kind of filling in the left tackle job now while Dawkins is out. Um, I think that'll end up being Spencer Brown as the swing tackle, but we'll we'll kind of wait and see on that as well. You know, Hart is what he is. He's a veteran. He has a lot of experience, but there's a lot more downs than ups in his career, and Um, We've seen some struggles already. So while he's starting now, that might just be kind of a veteran respect type move. I'm not even sure that his roster spot is safe, so to speak, uh, come September. But yeah, in in terms of the rest of the line, I think ideally that's what the Bills would like. We've seen some good things out of Ford, just like we talked about with the defensive linemen. Uh, We want to see how that goes for Ford once the pads come on. Uh, and, and can he keep that momentum up? Because if he can, then there isn't a competition, in, in my opinion, at that guard spot. He'll, he'll get the nod over the Ike Butkers and the Forest Lamps uh, and any other options out there for even as good as Butker was as the year went on. Uh, I think that Ford has that higher ceiling. He's someone that the Bills really invested a lot in, and we've seen a lot of good things out of him to this point.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out here from Puerto Rico watching over on Facebook. Uh, hello to you, David. Thank you so much for watching. Uh, awesome. Just uh international uh, sh- episode of Shout a Buffalo Bills football podcast. We appreciate all of you. On the defensive side, we mentioned Epinesa and um, Rousseau, Starla Tulele and Ed Oliver, as probably most people would expect. Uh, we're in there on the first team, the second alignment. Uh, For the second team, ended up being Boogie Basham, Daryl Johnson for the most part, um, Harrison Phillips, and Vernon Butler. So, you know, Harrison Phillips is huge. Uh, Mm. I I didn't write about it yesterday, but he had some really great pursuit on a couple plays. I really wanted to fit it into my observations, but I was getting close to 2,000 words, and I just kind of like thought I'd bring it up at a later time. And I still don't want to talk too much about Harrison yet because I'd like to actually talk to Harrison one of these days before I – Uh, give my takeaway on on what we've seen out of him so far, but he's bigger. I think he's settling into that one tech role and to back up Star Tule. And that's a good thing. I think that might be good to get everybody aligned. and, And this is what we want you to do. This is what we want you to focus on Ed Oliver. Don't worry about going in there and trying to be a space eater. If we need you to do it on a, on a third down or whatever the case may be fine, but let's predominantly work on this one thing. I think if you go back to the rookie year for Ed Oliver, That's when he really started to become the force that he was in a few games. I remember that Dallas game in particular when they just asked him to be the three tech. And so, yeah, we'll talk more about Harrison in the the future, but I want to get to my number one takeaway of this day, Ryan. It's what I led my story off. I want to, I want to get your thoughts on maybe the the running backs as a whole, but first team, every time the first team, 11 on 11, that that Josh Allen ran out on the field uh, in the backfield with him was Zach Moss. And you know he he ran the ball really well today. He had one handoff. I, I'm pretty sure uh, somebody put it out there uh, on social media. I think I saw that floating around. It was a really nice run. And again, runs in with no pads and no and no hitting is you know how much can you really glean from that? But for a guy that's coming off of an ankle injury, and you know sometimes you you worry about that with a guy dealing with that lower body injury. He was pushing off of it really good today. He said he felt great. He said the next step is is going into some contact, getting tackled, seeing how the ankle reacts. But so far, so good. And, man, he's, he's trending in a really good direction to maybe be this team's 1A, you know, because I know that uh, that they don't really view uh, either probably as a featured back. But he, he might get the bulk of the work right off the bat here. Yeah.
1: You know, Brian Dibble said they're going to ride the hot hand, see who does better. But I think it is an encouraging sign for Moss. Like you said, when those 11-11s took place, that it was Moss that was uh, on the field with Josh Allen. He had some nice runs. He had some really nice – he's had some nice moments over these first few days of camp. And, you know, what I really like about Zach Moss is his mindset and his mentality. Today when he met with the media, he, he pretty much said, listen, if we win the Super Bowl and Devin's the starter, that's fine. If we win the Super Bowl and I'm the starter, that's fine too. Big picture wise, he has the 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 goal in mind of what needs to happen for this team, and that you can tell that that's why he's the type of player that Sean McDermott and um, you know what well, Brandon Bean, um, Brian Dable, Kelly Skipper, and the list goes on and on. Why they probably gravitated to him last year in the draft uh, because of the type of person he is. He is selfless. He doesn't care if he is the quote-unquote start. He wants what's best for this team, and whether that's him or not, Uh, but we've seen a lot of really good things for him, especially considering he's coming off of that injury that he sustained against the Colts in the playoffs, and and looking so good, pretty much saying that he's put that mental part of it out of his mind a few weeks ago. Uh, So, you know, mentality-wise, he's exactly where you want him to be. Physicality-wise, we we like what we see so far, Um, but for the fifth, sixth, or seventh time today, once the pads come on, we'll really get a good idea uh, of where he really is and what maybe this running back pecking order looks like.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's transition to Josh Allen before we get out of here, because again, um, we're going to, we're going to come in with an hour long episode after the first day of pads. So everybody just buckle up. Uh, I, I know Ryan's on the road and um, being really gracious with this time and, and, and the, working through the uh, situation there, I want to get touch on Josh Allen before we get out of here. Um, you know, some of the reports coming out, including, from my story was that he was, wasn't great today. And that's okay. Uh, You know, uh, the one thing that I think we, we tend to do is we, as uh, you know, a collective sports fan is overreact to um, certain moments. And, you know, this moment in particular was a practice and Josh Allen was just I, I don't even want to say that he was bad, Ryan. He just wasn't as locked in and sharp as he's been the last couple of days. And when you were making the kind of throws that he's made in practice the last couple of days, and you're, you're misfiring, throwing over guys, heads, throwing a little bit wide, not really in sync. Even the one touchdown that went to Kumaro, I thought it was a little bit behind him. Kumaro had to kind of bobble it and bring it in. Listen, it it wasn't a a, a, a great day for him, but at the end of the day, you they're working towards something and i think that it's fine i, I don't think that it's necessarily and i also want to say that you should want reports of what actually happened you know what i mean so if you if you're if josh allen has a bad day and a report comes out that you know ignores it or or you know speaks glowingly i don't think you should want that either and i think that you know sometimes it's just good to chalk it up to a bad day and move on
1: yeah and it's funny that you say that because i think marcel uh, Louis Jacques from ESPN put something out pretty much saying, you know, he was, it was, it was his worst day of camp thus far. But put it in perspective, the worst day was because he had an elite day, day one, according to some of the reports out there. He was unbelievable day two. Uh, Manuel Sanders hyping it up is one of the throws that Allen made it was one of the best he's seen in 12 years, or maybe the best in a specific route. So when you put those three practices up to what we saw today, he wasn't, he was telling the truth. And, and I, I saw a few Bills fans say, all right, it's fine. You know, don't overblow this. Well, he wasn't overblowing anything. He was telling you exactly what happened. Josh Allen was fine today. He had a really nice touchdown pass to Dawson Knox. Uh, he had that throw to Kummer, like you said, that I, a little bit behind him. He had some throws out of the flat that were completed, um, but he missed some, too. He missed Cole Beasley on a pass, and he sailed it by him. He threw low to one of the backs. He, he just wasn't as sharp as, like you said, we've seen so far. And, and mind you, uh, it was a rest day for Stefan Diggs. Emmanuel Sanders left at a certain point, so two of the uh, better receivers were out of the mix there. He, he did throw a dangerous ball in the middle that Tremaine Edmonds could have come away with. Uh, and then I believe Josh Thomas had a chance to get it off the rebound as well. So, you know, it, it was a fine day, but it, but compared to what the reports and what you have seen out of him the last few days, it, it was a down day compared to those performances.
0: And let's remember, he doesn't have his left tackle. Uh, I think this defensive line has been dialed in the last couple of days. They've been bringing pressure and putting pressure in his in his face. And Josh Allen has been pretty open about the fact in the past that in these kind of training camp practices, he's come to uh, so far along that he's gonna take some chances. And if you I almost feel like if he wasn't like you know putting the ball in danger, he's not doing what I think that they set up to do uh, in these practices. All right. We are going to come back on Monday with another start off another week with a show every day after practice. Uh, we're brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets. Tops loves local. Tops is proud to partner with over 200 local growers, supply Tops with the freshest homegrown fruits and vegetables. Produced, picked this morning, can be on your table tonight. Thank you so much to them for uh, sponsoring this uh, podcast that we bring to you. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you. The numbers are great. You guys, are, you guys are in here participating in the chat. We appreciate it. Smash that like button. Hit that subscribe button as well if you haven't already. But I know all of you have. And we will see you next time. We'll get Ryan out of here. Go enjoy your family. Go enjoy the rest of your vacation. We'll be back on Monday, guys. Take care.